So welcome to the Tabletop Gaming Magazine podcast. I'm Chris Eggett, the editor of the magazine. And I'm Charlie, I'm the online editor. And we've got a new issue. Woo! Uh, coming out right now, uh, or like this week, anyway. <laughs> I do feel like sometimes in these podcasts I'm just like the cheerleader. Like you'll say something that's really cool and I'm here for the like, woohoo! That's it, that's what, that's what we hide you for. Well, true. Uh, and I'm, I'm good at it, I've got, I've got a good woohoo And um, as I often say, the faces you pull in videos. Um, I keep trying to do YouTube <laughs> thumbnails at the minute by like pausing it at certain stages so that I can export the face. And oh my goodness, the faces that I pull. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, they, no, they're, they're just um, way, more, way more varied than we just very we thought very expressive face very expressive. Very wasn't on the cv though things. that's all we, that's what i'm saying <laughs> we didn't know we didn't know what treasure this was um in added skills absolutely skills. uh so this issue uh this beautiful issue 55 Woo-hoo. of tabletop gaming magazine uh comes with a uh split cover because we've got kind of two main stories right so if you're a if you're someone who goes to the shop to buy their a copy of Tabletop Game Magazine, you will uh, see the beautiful Ticket to Ride Europe 15th anniversary cover, uh, because it is, it is 15 years old, it is a teenager of a game, uh, and uh, that's that's what we went for for the uh, newsstand cover. But for subscribers, they've got a uh, interesting, brooding, um, Nuka-Cola covered um, subscriber special cover for Fallout the RPG. And it looks cool! Yeah. Uh, it does look cool. It looks it looks really good. Uh, all of it looks really all of it looks really good. Um, so we speak to our moon about uh, Ticket to Ride Europe on its fifteenth anniversary. Um, we also speak to the designers of Fallout, the role playing game, uh, and also Dune Adventures in the Imperium, which is a Dune RPG which seems completely bonkers. <laughs> um, we also talk about uh, ten of the best war Euro games. And uh, I have a chat to Martin Wallace, uh, and if you pick up the digital issue, you can get a, a bit of bonus content um, for for that chat I had with him about Rocketman. Uh, nice. Although the bonus chat is not about Rocketman, it's about the, sca- the state of games generally. Nice. Yes. I do have a question for you about Go it. On. Not about that one specifically. Yeah. Um, you did the 10 of the best war Euro games. Yeah. And you said these <laughs> are the W-E-U-A-R-O-N-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-L-
the sort of uh, deterministic nature of a lot of Euro games um, and the and the uh, conflict heavy version of war games. So um, we've got a full range in there. We've got things that are loads of chucking loads of dice, um, but kind of using um, cards for actions and stuff like that, which feels feels kind of Euroy. Uh, and, and then we've got on the other end, we've got things which is just like kind of a uh, an economic kind of an economic sim with an element where you do do to the map. So loads of stuff in there, um, which uh, and it's a, like a really interesting list to um, like fiddle about with to work out what you kind of like out of these games. I, I really like this little drummer of games because they are they have like kind of a little bit of everything I want. They and usually unlike both. War games and the heavier side of Euro games, um, they don't take very long to play. Nice, which um, is something I, I like. You know, if you if you can pitch me a war in twenty minutes, then uh, <laughs> I'm I'm basically sold. Um, so that's uh, so that's our that's our ten of the best for this month. Um, but yeah, so uh, should we should we dive in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you got? Well, I suppose uh, I should start by talking about Rocketman. Mm-hmm. Uh, which hits retail this month, maybe right now. It was on Kickstarter last year, I believe. It's Martin Wallace. It's a um, deck-building kind of uh, push-your-luck game. Nice. So, And it's all about the modern spaceflight. Uh, and the idea of the game is that you are a, a modern billionaire trying to get into space, dealing with the modern factors that... Um, affect spaceflight so it's not set in the 60s or uh, the, the the you know the the US versus Soviet space, space race. race like it's not that um, because we've done that a couple of times now I think we're bored of it um, and and it's from Phalanx who also did Europe Divided also made by um, uh, by David Thompson mm. um, <laughs> good job <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, his middle name's Jack so I want to throw that in there um, nice so, uh, strong name yeah because uh, it's not the first name, um, as you happen to, as people normally do. Um, so, <laughs> um, so but it, but they're they're all set. But these games that Phalanx are doing, which are modern re, kind of modern settings for classic themes of games, so conflict in Europe, but in the nineties. Yeah. Right. That's Europe divided. Um, a really brilliant game because it's so asymmetric. One, one player is playing basically two factions. So you play Europe and the and NATO. So NATO is the only one with any fighting force there, but Europe is much richer, much slower though. Uh, and then the Russians, basically, um, completely free to act as they like, but don't really have the funds necessarily to do everything they need to do. Um, and that's uh, and the thing is, the event cards that turn up are things that happened in my lifetime, and that's kind of kind of interesting. Cool. Kind of interesting to me, and it makes the choices you're making about invading a certain country like more like more real yeah because basically the uh cold war is a fantasy setting at this point uh it might as well be um elves versus orcs you know it might as well be because that's a lot of the time how it's played out you know even in uh even when the people are more satirical which often they are um it's often played out in this sort of like very i don't know pastiche like fancy dress way um, and this isn't this makes you think about these these things, and, and that's equally the same with them. Um, Rocketman, you know, you're uh, you are collecting cards um, from a market into your deck that you're 
going through every turn very quickly. Uh, you are then assigning these to a rocket um, that you're going to, or a mission, uh, and you don't tell anywhere where where you're sending the mission just yet until you launch it, and then. Once you've got enough stuff on your rocket, usually stuff to give you advantages, uh, but there's, there's a basic cost you need to apply to it. Uh, and then there's also um, uh, like advantages like you know, um, advanced boosting into the atmosphere and things like that. Um, so once you've, uh, you, you attach all that sort of stuff, um, and, then, and what that does, in addition to paying for the rocket to go into space, is it also thins your deck. So you've got a thinning deck mechanism in a deck builder, which is uh, really like most deck builders have a card. So you have to. Most deck builders have a card in your hand that you have to play to get rid of a card from your hand, or from your deck entirely. Whereas this has it built in, so you you can move all that bloat of stuff you've bought from the market, etc., uh, onto your rocket um, for it then to shoot off into the atmosphere, which you do by turning some event cards in the center, and then you're kind of. Um, it's. I'm going to say this, and it's, this sounds terrible. It's almost roll to move in this sense because it's like you turn the card and it says one two three four on it there's only a certain number of fours in mm -hmm. this deck and you're trying to get to the moon or wherever you announce that um and obviously the moon's nearer than mars uh so you need to uh get the right number to get there so on the first card you can uh you can abort your mission immediately, and then you get the choice to go second card, third card, fourth card, whatever, depending on the amount of cards you can turn from the mission. Um, obviously, if you fail, everything explodes and it goes wrong. Um, you can abort the mission in the first in, in in any of those cards, but you have to throw away stuff from your ship to do so. Um, and so it's got this like weird push the luck element to it, and uh, it's got a real like stand up going yes, uh, you know like. We did we did the thing put the thing into the sky um, element to it from something like that feels kind of dirty to be honest because it's a as I say it's like flipping cards to see if the rocket gets into space or not really and it felt <laughs> but um, but because you've concealed where you're going until mm. the last minute because uh, obviously you get more points if you get somewhere first you know that sort of stuff um, uh, it just kind of has all this. Uh, interesting kind of like interplay over the table that's nothing nothing to do with like the mechanics of the game which i've just explained uh it's just to do with like how you're interacting with other people the stuff you've taken and the stuff that turns up the bad events that turn up that you can you can pay they're quite expensive to buy um as a card and add to your deck and they're trashed to add to your deck um are things like um you know pandemics global warming all, all of this like uh, quite modern stuff that we're dealing with, uh, and giving it this modern setting, and making it so that uh, the reach of the game is only as far as uh, Mars. Yeah, that's the furthest you can go here. This isn't a game about zipping about all over the galaxy. Mm -hmm. It's just about, um, just about getting up there at all. <laughs> nice. Um, so it's like the scope is produced and that makes it a kind of like much more interesting game you know rather than just suddenly we're in space there's aliens and all that sort of stuff anyway so interview with martin wallace there really interesting chat um obviously he's uh, uh gaming royalty so uh everyone should uh, uh pick that up nice yeah um what else do we have i've got a little bit of everything um you talked to imperium people 
Oh yeah, I talked to. Uh, I've spoken to David Tertsey and Nigel Buckle. Yeah, like twice a... this month. Yeah, <laughs> and sadly because of the printing deadlines and and just the way we didn't have enough room in the magazine in the end, I couldn't get anything in in here about Voidfall, which is their um, uh, exciting new 4x Euro game. They say it's a 4x, isn't it? Yeah, sort of. Ooh. I don't really think it is. I think it's not going to be. I don't think it's really going to be a four X. Okay. Um, Interesting. Well, it, or spiritually, it's a four X, but it's not going to have what people associate with four Xs. They won't have any of the negative side to it. I don't think. I think it will be just the exciting bits um, with lots and have lots of Euro bits. But I spoke to I spoke to Nigel about um, uh, Imperium uh, classics and legends. Uh, which is a tableau building, empire building game. Um, you can uh, uh, where you you pick you pick a uh, pre-selected deck um, of cards uh, and you try and build a tableau uh, of your empire, and it's quite good. And you're balanced based on the empire you pick as well. As yes, exactly. Talking about. And you can mash them together as well. So you know you can have the Atlanteans versus the Celts and all that sort of stuff. Um, and uh, yes, that's all. That's all very jolly. It's, uh, Nigel's a really interesting. Um, designer who's really not had the coverage he should have had. Um, uh, his, his one of his earlier games was um, uh, Omega Century, um, which is one of the reasons they went to do Voidfall is because of 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 his one of his previous games, uh, which had a a very similar sort of four X spacey thing. Where but he's trying he tries to get the game done you know in an hour or whatever you know he's trying to do a, a quick four wow. X. So it's, uh, yes, and you can hear more about that on the podcast if you go back like three episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's there's there's I I recorded part of our interview about that. You can you can jump on and hear a little bit about Voidfall there. Because um, wasn't with with Imperium, I'm sure it was this that he it went to Kickstarter originally under a different. Group. That's it. it. Went with Board and Dice. Yeah, and it yeah. didn't make it. And it's really interesting now that it then came back with a. Yeah, so With a roar and now it's, it's absolutely. I mean, I, th- I mean, I think at this point everyone wants Nigel to um, uh, have a really good time because um, you just look at the way this game came to light, um, and and people really love um, Omega Centauri as well. Um, the people who got to play it because it kind of went under people's radars, um, uh, but it's a. The story is that it went to Kickstarter with boards and dice. Uh, that's how he got introduced to David. Yeah. Um, and it didn't fund, uh, but Bondas let uh, David con- to continue working on it with Nigel, um, and then they pitched to Osprey. Um, and one of, the, one of the real acts of generosity here is that um, Bondas had already done um, like hundred of the cards or something like that. You know, they in terms of the artwork, mm. they'd already commissioned it. It'd already been done. It was finished. Um, and so. They they allowed uh, Nigel to take that away as well, That's take the so art away. It is really good, That's and then so obviously nice. you know, um, Osprey are kind of known for their high high production budgets. Uh, so I believe they probably turned up and um, were just offered whatever you want um, nice. once they once they got the game in because it's a it's a really interesting game, really interesting game, and uh, and now incredibly beautiful yes. as well. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, that's so that's Imperium. Nice. Uh, cool. Also, we have a 
look at the uh, Fallout the role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, you, are you a Fallout fan? I have played a little bit Fallout. Yeah. I've gone through a couple of levels. Yeah. I've got like a rough foundation of it from the video game, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Which um, one? Which one did you play? Oh, good question. I've played two. One was so, the more modern one. Yeah. And then one, I don't remember much of it. I just remember going to shoot stuff, and you had to pick where you were going to shoot, which yeah. I found a really interesting mechanic. Vats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's. I can't remember what it stands for, but it's that's. Do know? Um. And now I get Pit Boy. <laughs> Yeah. I know that you sort of like you wake up and you have to look at yourself in the mirror to pick your character. It was yeah, my, which was one's it my that? birthday? Maybe it's all of them. them. Uh, that's three. Three, you have a birthday party. Okay, so I started with three. Yeah. Played some of that. Yeah. And then there's been one since. Probably four or New Vegas or something. It might have been New Vegas actually. Mm. It was beautiful, mm. really, really nicely done. But I'm I struggle with video games because I love board games and I'd rather spend my time doing board games. But um the difficulty I have with video games is if I put it down, I'm unlikely to pick it up again. Mm-hmm. Like I loved, I put hours into Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn, mm-hmm. and then put it down, and then have never touched it again. Yeah, and I did that with both Fallout, so I was like, okay, maybe this one isn't going to be my no, my enough. niche, the yeah. only thing I know about. But no, I, I can I can see the appeal of it. I can see yeah. why people adore it. Um, because it's good fun. Yeah. So my my knowledge, and this is, and really, this is just us doing a disclaimer. So if I say anything stupid here, <laughs> um, my knowledge of Fallout happens to be, uh, I think I played one of the really old ones, uh, like on a Windows ninety five machine or maybe a DOS machine. Wow. Um, and then uh, the isometric ones, and then uh, back I didn't even know they went that far back. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, the interplay versions. I think. Interesting. Um, I think that's right. Um, and then. Uh, I also played Fallout 3, which is the one we have a birthday party. There you go. I played that um, and, uh, So, yeah. but So this is a, a game which is much loved uh, by many, 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 many people. And we, Anna Blackwell goes into a deep dive with the uh, creator of the game. Uh, this is another uh, Modiphius um, uh, big title tie-in. Yeah. Um, They're rocking it at the minute. Yeah, they are. Um, and uh, you know, the, the article sort of kind of prefaces the whole thing which is people have been waiting for this game for 21 years yes the, the an, an rpg of fallout an actual 100%. tabletop rpg of fallout um is something that people have been uh desperate for wasteland warfare promised us it um last uh last year year before something like that before. um well wasteland warfare the um the miniatures game miniature skirmish game uh got a bolt on either year last year or the year before and which allowed it to be allegedly allowed it to be an RPG. Um, a lot of people were very much put off by it because it was kind of like an RPG bolted onto a skirmish game yeah. because that's it what it was. Dedicated. It's too big and too well loved to just yeah. be a sideline. Like it weren't a full, well thought out RPG. Yeah, um, and uh, having read having read the book myself, it's it is a is that is a beautiful, uh, fully conceived world of. Um, you know, uh, deep characters, deep, deep and interesting factions, and um, character hooks and things like that that are um, like entirely worth uh, sort of digging into. Even if, maybe even if you don't like Fallout, maybe if you just want an end of the world game, um, it's maybe worth looking at because uh, it's funny. It's a funny yeah. world. Um, it's kind of like. Uh, hits on a, a retro vibe, um, and all of the characters 
are kind of like uh, like nicely translated you know the yeah. system also uses the d d two d twenty system sorry yeah um which is which and, and that means you roll roll a couple of dice um and uh you're looking for a lower number and so your your stats if they're good they're bigger numbers that's it you know um yeah, it did strike me reading it that I felt from from what Anna was saying, I felt that I could dive into it yeah. with the best knowledge that I have of I had a birthday party and I shot things. Yeah. Like I still feel like I could pick it up Absolutely. and yeah. have a great game from it. So Yeah. Um the depth of like uh locations and characters and stuff like that and things like you can make your own your own vaults and stuff like that. So that's a, a big feature of, of the game is these uh like kind of time capsule vaults. That's what in most of the the video games you are you start off as someone in a vault mm. and um you are you are then you either escape through um uh, because you've done something bad like kill someone whoops or um whoops. yes you choose your own path out um but then you're out in the wasteland surviving by yourself um so yeah there's there's a nice big uh, dive into that there um and then the final modifious thing i will mention is the uh, massive June review yeah. we've got in there. So um, we do have a, I do have a podcast with RJP coming up very shortly, um, which will uh, take us a little bit deeper into this and a load of other RPGs that we just wanted to talk about. Um, uh, but it's a huge, um, huge review with a huge interview following it as well. Uh, and June is a completely bonkers game. Uh, it's um, so. Not only do you play as someone as a of one of the noble houses of Dune. Oh, sorry, how familiar are, are you with Dune? I am familiar with Dune in the sense that I have read everything RJP has written about it. Yes, I've read fine. reviews of the RPG. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> I know that the RPG is good. I know that yeah, there are lots fine. of features of it that yeah. make it really impressive, like like the rain in the it's either feet or tree. I can't remember the rain. That's really important yeah. when you're trying to scale stuff. I know all the cool little yeah. features. Dune itself, nah. No. No. Um, so based on the and it was going to be like six quid on Kindle, so I thought, nah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I highly, I highly recommend uh, listening to the audiobook of it. It's actually really good. Um, Do you know, I've never listened to an it's audiobook. Only five or six days long. Um, <laughs> so I'll take the book then. <laughs> um, but I mean, the, the world of Dune is uh, interesting because it's kind of like a, a non-tech future. You know, it's a mystical future. Um, without all of the technological advances, well, not all of the technological advances that we usually associate with these things. Which is uh, good, because that just sets you up for disappointment. It does. Like Back to the Future, we should have had hoverboards by now. Allegedly. Mm. Yeah, I don't think a hoverboard... I mean, I don't think... I don't think hoverboards are good. I'm going to come out and say it. Rude. I don't think, I don't think they're nonsense. good. And they, they would, be, would be dangerous for everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like... Like, uh, you'd need, like people falling off and then people going into people fair enough you'd need new rules yeah. for it but we've got cycle lanes we just need more cycle lanes everywhere yeah. check hoverboards in there I mean I think one way to get to this future quicker would be to add more cycle lanes and then everyone could ride more bikes and that would so that when the hovercrafts come out uh, yeah. hoverboards come out yeah I could say please no, please no <laughs> hovercrafts <laughs> they may not fit but yeah. hoverboards yeah. yeah I don't mind having a lane for that yeah. get to work really quickly yeah Exactly. Um, I can only think of the uh, health and safety kind of thing I was told when I went surfing, which is like, the reason you're strapped to your board 
or whatever and why you shouldn't let go of your board if you fall off it is because it skims along the surface at head height and so if someone else is in the water um, so I'm just imagining like yeah, people being you know I'm going to say decapitated at the shin. I know that doesn't make sense, oh. but <laughs> that's how I'm imagining right. how, how hoverboards will work. But, okay, um, safety, filter, safety filters will be built in. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of infrastructure. Yeah, but it's hoverboards, so it's worth it. And speaking of infrastructure, in <laughs> June, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the infrastructure of June, the RPG, it used, it just, it's, a, it's just a really interesting system where you can play the guy at the head of the house who goes to the ball or whatever, and uh, has snarky conversations with people and maybe gets assassinated. You can be that guy. That's unfortunate. Um, and then also, when you want that guy to do something in the world, you know, like go blow up a dam or whatever, um, go capture a big worm. As you do. And ride it to fruit. You want to do? You want to capture a big worm? Probably can't. Um, <laughs> But, uh, it's role playing. You can do what you want. Uh, you, yeah, you, you <laughs> it might can. be a party kill, but still. Yeah. Um, you what you do is you whip up a few like sub characters to go off and do that adventure, so that you don't have a, the thing of like the yeah you know, the yeah you know, the king leaves to go do to go punch someone in a bar. Yeah, RJP said something about it being like the Star Trek thing. Yes. Where you don't it. have the main characters heading off just simply because they're the main characters. That's it. You send who you would actually send. That's it. That's, that's a really good analogy. Yeah. Um, so speaking of uh, innovative RPGs, you've got a little something. <laughs> I know where that's going. <laughs> I played Magical Kitties Save the Day. Yeah. And I know you handed it to me because it had cats on it. And I know that was like almost the whole reason. Um, but it was also my first attempt at GMing. That's why that's why I did it actually. Yeah, yeah. That's why I did it actually. <laughs> People see cat games and they come my way. Although I've still they, not played true. Isle of Cats and I've still not played Calico and I'm bitter about both of these yeah. facts. Um really interesting game because I felt like so it's a um the idea is you play as cats who have a human and that human has some sort of issue, which might mm. be loneliness or it might be that they're worried about something in particular and as a cat you're going to go off on all sorts of adventures which ultimately will try and help and solve the human's problem but you may also run into things like Baba Yaga or like dinosaurs or later aliens and expansions it's cool that all those three things are the same yeah yeah they they're all, all in the same the, category yeah why not um so played it played on a few sort of rounds of it and the, the what you roll for instead of having like my instinct was because i've only ever played D, gming it all i wanted to do was be like roll for perception yeah. no 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 no. these you only roll for three things mm-hmm. and they are all d6s yep and you roll for cute cunning and fierce and everything you do is filtered into those three categories mm-hmm. um which has actually become like a mantra me and my best friend send voice notes quite often oh. And our, our sign-off on voice notes is, you are cute, you are cunning, and you are fierce. Um, so now it's a... It's, it's an a, affirmation. Yeah, exactly, mm. affirmation. Um, but it plays surprisingly well. It's, it takes a little while to get used to filtering things into those three categories. Yes. Because you're like, you want to break down a door, what are you going to do? That, that would be your fierce. Yes. Whereas if you want to persuade someone, is that your cunning or your cute, depending oh, okay. on what you're going to do. So if you're um, gonna get th- on, can you get through a door with cute? That's my question. Uh, I think you'd struggle. I think you'd you have could, to really you just... You could cunning your way through, couldn't you? You could cunning your way through. Um, but it's all... It's very... 
linked to because it's designed to be a family game yeah i felt reading through i was like this is very good at de-escalating potential tantrums right okay cool. because if you, how does that work so you have negative things that are attached to your character mm-hmm. um which if you use them in role playing you get a kitty treat okay and the kitty treat is basically you can re-roll a, a, a dicey roll later at any mm-hmm. point um so you get a benefit from doing something that's truer to your role playing and helps the story along but if you imagine a kid doing something that their character then doesn't do very well in because of some feature they have, I feel like that would be a tantrum. Mm. This circumvents because you're like, ah, no, but you get a treat for it. Ah, great. So it's got lots of lots of little things like that in it where it builds up. The only thing I would say is mm. I played it with um, the shiny extra dice and the shiny extra cards. The dice, I'm a dice goblin, so I loved them, but aren't necessary. Um, and the but the cards, which are quite expensive in comparison to the game, I have to say. Yes, yes, but, um, so it's often the way, isn't it? Are like. really nice to. I I really enjoyed having them. So it's the groups that we played. We really enjoyed having them because it meant that you built your character through those mm-hmm. instead of trying to work out what it is that that they had with them. But the last thing I say about it that I thought was brilliant is they give you a solo adventure. Like, yeah, they give you like a little it's like a little graphic novel in that style. Yeah. Um and you roll on the things that they tell you to roll and that then influences your journey. So if you're not familiar with role playing, I think mm. as a GM mostly okay. Like it was alright. It was yeah. fine. It's not one to hold your hand. Mm. But as a player, it holds your hand the whole way through. Like you will mm. learn how to role play and then find other things more comfortable. Yeah. So thumbs up for me. Yeah. Uh, I I do like those like um tokenized systems yeah like uh, with the kitty treats yeah with the kitty treats because that's something that um, uh, No Thank You Evil does yeah Um, that does a thing where it it turns your actions into tokens and that's apparently that's what kids love nice apparently that's how you how you you know as you say de-escalate things because like well you just do that and you know this person this person needs your help uh, and they can give a token away and stuff like that uh so I, I think that's like a nice system. I think yeah. it's a good way of uh, turning like because what we like about RPGs is that bad luck is interesting. Yes. Uh, but very frustrating if you're very invested in things going right, as you might be if you were very young. Yes. Um, because for you, this is maybe really important. And as a new player as well, I think you sort of want things to go well. You don't want to be the one that's knocked out or not able to do something yeah you want your character to be as good a character as possible absolutely as an adult then you find a flaw and then you enjoy the flaw exactly yes yeah yes yeah. so it's, it's, you know i think it's more fun to fail than an yes. rpg mostly yeah. Yeah, i yeah. think the idea of um in fact when you listen to the podcast i did with rjp we did talk about this briefly the idea that i think it's strange that some people try and win an rpg yeah uh, because you can't you can't right. win an rpg uh, the house always wins. Uh, you know, it's like you're always going to lose in the end. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. So um, what they've else got, we got? I will just say that they've got a Kickstarter oh, at yeah. the moment, which I'm sort of eyeing. Um, but I know a lot of people have been asking about: is it worth it? Is it anything? Yeah. I think it's a it's yeah. a thumbs up. It's a it's a good one to if you've got the right group. Consider. Yeah, if you've got the right group, and we we didn't take it seriously in the sense that it, mm-hmm. it was it's designed to be quite silly and yeah. quite just like mental to be honest yeah. um so we had a, a couple of mental sessions where random things happened yeah. um so yeah 
I would I would recommend for a non-serious yeah. RPG. Yeah, I think if yes, if you're looking, yeah, yeah, if your group has got young people in it, or you want to, you're kind of trying to convince some people to play. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you think a silly afternoon will convince them, which it has done. Yeah. A couple in my group have said, "Can we do some other ones?" And I'm like, "Oh, let's start with the easy ones first." If you want me I'm to looking do forward it. to looking forward to this journey as you become oh, a GM. And I, you realise the other week and looked at the first adventure and was like, "I am not. I can't do this bit yet." You definitely can. You definitely <laughs> can. It's really easy. You just make it up if you can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Panic, panic yeah. stations. That's fine. Yeah. You showed me your notes actually, didn't you? Of your um, you wrote you randomly wrote down some names for the characters you'd created. Oh yeah. So the first, the very first time I played it. I sort of didn't really know what I was going to do, yeah. so I was like, you know what, let's just let's just try it, see what happens, and then yeah. I'll work out for the next session what sort of stuff I need to understand. Um, but I kept making up NPCs and then forgetting which NPC was which. Yeah. So my notes were literally just like Karen, Steve, yeah. Bob, bloody Karen, Bob important, <laughs> like, Bob important. Yeah. yeah. Then I'd know, and that was the one that had yeah. all the information in. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean. I think. Uh, that's when I knew I was I was quite comfortable being a GM is when I made monsters on the fly I, and I just stated them on a piece of paper yeah, like yeah, yeah. right there and I just I knew I, I, and I knew it would work yeah. I wasn't worried about it yeah. at all and I didn't feel I didn't feel not comfortable about it although I will say um, uh, just something I saw recently is the um, it was uh, Chris McDowell going through Knock Right. Uh, I might. I think I mentioned this to you the other day. So, Knock is the sort of um, uh, RPG ephemera. Uh, I'm going to say magazine, uh, like book uh, of just bits and bobs, tables and things. You can you know, here's forty potions you can roll nice. and stuff like that. Um, but one of the pages is just just use a bear. Um, oh, you did say about this. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is, um, which it was very enlightening because actually it's very true. When the advice is just like, yeah. it doesn't matter what it is. If you need to make something up, don't, don't just know go- what to do this session. Have a bear. Yeah, deal well, with that. Well, even just like if something horrible is happening, just use a bear. Yeah, um, stats for a bear and describe it as something else, uh, or barely describe it. Um, oh, for God's sake! Yeah, um, I can tell you're a parent. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't intentional. Um, <laughs> You've but got you're sh- proud of it. I am proud of it, yeah. <laughs> You've got a shout-out, haven't you, for uh, a ga- the local game store. Oh, uh, yeah, Distinct Gaming. Yeah. It's, it's partly because I love TikTok, and that's how I sort of got to know this store. Um, but they are Distinct Gaming in Belper, and they... Where is Belper? I have... Oh, no, I've Googled, it's two hours away from us. <laughs> but I don't so know where that actually is. Please look within a, a two-hour two radius <laughs> of, of where we are, where the magazine is published. Um, well, I looked to go visit, but my um, geography isn't particularly good. So I was just like, if Google, if Google Maps tell me, tells me it's less than three hours when lockdown lifts, I'm going to go, um, which is what I then... It's in Derbyshire. I don't even know where Derbyshire is. Um, okay. <laughs> just yeah, help me if everyone at home, it's in Derbyshire. <laughs> I've Googled and it's just like, it's just in Belper. I'm like, that's not helpful. <laughs> Can't answer the question. That's the old telephone exchange. Ah. Um, anyway, they look quite good. Near Derby and kind of near Sheffield. I mean, oh, I'm not really. <laughs> okay, this Sheffield is... is the next big one. <laughs> oh, this is why people. We don't might have to, might have to get Charlie's Blair game of brass. Uh, <laughs> it's an hour and forty-eight minutes away okay, from here in fine. that radius, going that way. Yes. Left. What's yes. left on north, south, east, and west? West. Oh my god. 
Yes. You two insist hours, on recording podcasts in the morning. And two hours this morning, left. I've got no idea what's going on. <laughs> two hours left. Anyway, anyway, there's two hours left for this podcast. We've not, we've not hit anywhere near it yet. <laughs> they are delightful. Um, they've got some really interesting stuff going on. They've just moved to a new, uh, a new location, and mm. um, so they can serve food and drink and things, which is really exciting. Um, they showed off a couple on uh, TikTok, sort of like what the layout's going to mm. be, and they've started to get people back in, which is really exciting. Mm. Um, and I think the more I'm always excited about local game stores, but it's lovely now that they're starting to be able to open. We're starting to be able to say, actually, you can come in and play games. Yeah. So I think it's really nice. That's what we're all excited about. We are, yay! Oh, it's just been so good to actually see people recently. Yes. Just been able to actually play games yeah. with people in face to face. Yeah. It's, and it's I, weird I guess that it's I've forgotten. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> you sort of forget how. Like it's not. It's the whole experience. It's not just. Oh, finally, I can play this three-player game that I've had for six months that I've not been able to do anything with because yeah. I can't go and see anyone or touch any components. Um, but also being able to have a laugh with your mates and exactly. do all sorts. So, so I can't good. wait. And because, I've, because they've been open, I've been sort of popping into different local game stores as yeah. well. Um, so I've had, a, I've had a delightful couple of weeks for, yeah. like, so popped into uh, Ninja Mitten in Skegness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an accident, saw that driving past. Absolutely loved it. They're Accident- adorable. Ac- accidentally careened into the. Oh, literally, my, my other half was driving, and I was like, "You need to park up now." <laughs> like it's on one of the little ring road bits. So that like, doesn't sound like an stop. accident. <laughs> you accidentally bought some dice as well, I think. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's this guy's stuff. Dice goblin standard. Yeah. Um, but I chatted to the guy that owns it for probably half an hour. I know yeah. I, I chatted for long enough that the uh, parking, the temporary parking that we were in, was going to run out, so I had to sort of run back. Um, but it's just. Being able to talk about games face to face, yes, is is incredible. And the same with I went to Candlekeep in Ramsey; they're delightful. Yeah. They've got a really nice space for gaming as well. So mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping they'll put out some events because they're they're about like 45 minutes. But I think 45 minutes for a game is a drive yeah. away. It's a good option. And uh, this is wildly off tangent, but across the road from Candlekeep, there's a lovely pub. <laughs> you keep telling me this you're like there's a pub there and I'm like yeah I know but I'm going to be driving there yeah well, you, <laughs> Just the, you need to get a oh. chauffeur um, oh yeah no let's I'll find a chauffeur yeah, yeah get the cool car out yeah. <laughs> rather than my little orange Someone, mini someone's got to drive that Bentley um, <laughs> anyway uh, yes, yes and the, the last one I've gone into recently is uh, Comic Culture the Game Store mm-hmm. in Lincoln yeah so I used to live in Lincoln, and they'd sort of like just opened when I left Lincoln. So mm. I was really sad about it. They have got so many games. They are so well stocked yeah. with like loads of different stuff. And uh, you've not only got games, but you've got trading cards. Uh, you've got all your um, what's the word? Like I want to say equipment. That's not the right word. Accessories. Accessories. That's the word. It's morning. Um, apparatus. Apparatus. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, all the Warhammer stuff, all the Warhammer paints, everything. Basically, it covers what we cover in the magazine. Is <laughs> in that store yeah. a little bit of everything? I will say, I feel uh, just a shout out in a similar way is um, Heifers in Cambridge. It, that's on my list to go but, to. Yeah, you, like you need to go in there um, in, in whatever situation. Just go downstairs, look at their their um, board game collection because that is very much like I walked down there. I was like, wow, this is exactly everything we ever talk about in magazine yeah. perfectly laid out in front of you you could just go and like you could almost not buy that game yeah as well i was quite impressed by how like the because they're, they're a huge store yeah right um 
uh, I was just impressed by like the, the actual impossibly good range they have. Yeah. Because um, uh, I, I, I find that um, a lot of smaller stores just don't have the shelf space for it. Yeah, yeah, um, which is totally fair. And I, I always find the smaller ones interesting because what they've selected to stock. Yeah. Um, and it's usually quite representative of what sort of games the community yeah, yeah. enjoys, which is all I, I find quite interesting to take a look at. Um, but yeah, Lincoln, uh, comic, a game store at Comic Culture, um, had a lot. And I, I just, like, I remember going in there when it first opened and I bought Boss Monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like one of my early, I like board game style yeah. purchases. Um, and it being, it certainly didn't feel that big. Mm-hmm. And now I've walked in and there's like, everything there um and the thing that i love is that it's the friendly and the friendly local game store mm. um ninja Mitten made that distinction to me and it's made a lot of sense that some of them are local game stores and some of them are friendly local game stores and the ones we've mentioned are mm. the friendly ones that i've been into recently um and going in like we were chatting about pokemon we were chatting about like people coming back in and people are excited to come back just as like just as we are give me an opportunity to go into a game store i will um but now that it's becoming safe to do so it's an incredibly exciting time. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's extremely good. And um, just from that point of uh, being able to talk to someone in a shop, like someone who runs a shop, yeah. about games, you know, whose part of their life is recommending games. If you go back uh, a few issues of the podcast, I don't know when, the Nick Smith one about Ludacris. Oh, I love that podcast. That, that's a really good one because that is basically me... Um, I'm just having a really nice time because Nick's just <laughs> recommending me games Yeah. in the same way as if I'd gone into Ludacris in... in uh, Croydon, uh, having a lovely beer, uh, and then uh, being offered, you know, here's three games that you know you can get in, in your slot or whatever. Yeah. Um, and uh, they've got really, I mean, they've got an insanely big collection. Um, the, yeah, um, it's when you asked him how many games there were, and he was like, I, I probably couldn't even guesstimate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, thousands. Literally thousands of games. Um, but yes, he's, he's. Uh, but that that if you if you want to have a little taste of that experience uh go check that out also check nick smith out on the um uh the james naylor podcast uh which james naylor's been doing this like weird wander around like the producing of games like as a because he's a, a uh, product manager so he uh so he's looking at it from kind of like a industry level so I, I was on there for like the second episode um which isn't very good you shouldn't you shouldn't listen to that but you should listen to the nick smith one um I need to listen to that podcast because every every time he does a new one, you come in and you talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And I get a little bit like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should listen. It was it's the, very good. You talked about um, Bad Squid-O. Yes. And their stuff. That's that's very. Yes, cool. Annie, like, Annie was on that. Yeah, yeah, Annie, and she does she does the guinea pigs. That's what I know her from. Yeah, which is a silly pig. thing, but, but she, she does incredible miniatures that are sort of more female friendly than uh, some others. Well, on I don't the know if they're female friendly. I think they 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 kill indiscriminately. Um, oh, no. I think they, I don't think I think they wouldn't yeah, stop sorry, just wrong, because they're women. I don't think they would, I don't think they'd not kill women. No, um, but they, but if you want, they make great female miniatures. If you want, that are what we want to see rather than lady warriors, lady warriors, uh, women of World War, whichever one, even space ones, all of them, um, <laughs> even fantasy ones. Um, yeah, she's uh, she makes those, uh, and she. Um, I don't know what, if the guinea pigs are gendered at all, but um, mm-hmm. uh, but. That's that. um, and uh, Annie's uh, that's a very funny interview as well so yeah, I would she's I would, great I'd, I'd, I'd highly so this is a podcast recommendation on a podcast uh, <laughs> I recommend James Naylor's podcast because yeah. he's a smart guy yeah um, uh, that's great um, speaking of uh, what I'm going to describe is new media oh yeah um, YouTube 
Yay! You've, you've done one. You are on YouTube. <laughs> I have been having so much fun on YouTube. Yeah. I've been given free reign, and you can imagine, like, with the level of excitement that I have on basically everything, being able to then maintain that excitement for a video for, like, five to ten minutes is so much fun. Um, mm. So I've got tons. We've got sort of ten of the best, a couple of those yeah. up. Um, that's been a really interesting sort of whirlwind through everything. Um, got a couple of reviews up, a couple of unboxings. Mm-hmm. I've just had a great deal of fun. And I'm really enjoying... The one thing that's really nice about it is because when people leave comments, Hmm. like, I get to look at those in work time and I get to just chat about games in work time and it'd be like, I'm paid to do this and this is great. So the encouragement is please leave comments because it lets me chat about games for hours. You're paid to do that anyway. Well, true, but... (laughs) You see what I mean? But not with strangers online, which I guess is the bit you... Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I've had lovely conversations in those comments. Um, Lots of recommendations as well. I've got a new wish list for games. What's on your wish list? Oh, goodness, you're going to put me on the spot now. I've got to remember. You're on the spot. There is the... I want to say the Drowned Earth, which is a miniatures game. And it's... um, They've pitched it to me as, like, dinosaurs in like a normal post-apocalyptic world as you would but it's not just that there are also other creatures that you can include so one was like you can include red pandas i was like what i love red pandas chris is now googling it and i'm just checking the artwork matches what i thought it was to make sure i've said the right thing <laughs> yeah i'm trying i'm trying I, first of all it's just very funny that uh, charlie describes um like a post-apocalyptic world as normal yeah um well where else would you be able to interact with dinosaurs unless you're going historical like yeah I know the genre. I know the style. This is a, uh, yeah. What is it? This is this like Dinotopia or whatever. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> but um, but fighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, these look pretty cool. Battle reports on it as well, which look really interesting because you have, I think, although having not played it, this is sort of iffy territory. Um, so correct me in the comments if not, and we can chat about it. Yay. Um, the, you have mechanics for quite a lot of different things. So for swimming, for jumping, for mm-hmm. those sorts. Of, so you sort of really control the situation, which is interesting. I don't know if it's going to be too much, um, but it looked like one. I was like, ah, I am intrigued. It is one of those where I, I would fear too, too much is on the horizon. But then I'm um, simple. But I so. could, I'm easily pleased, like sort of the, the dinosaurs would make up for it for me. Yeah, yeah. So I can get over that because you've got cool dinosaurs. Because yeah. I'm yeah. very easily distracted. Uh, yeah, looks interesting. We'll have to see how that one lands. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll have um, a nosy. I think the rules are available for free online. Um, was the last comment I got this morning, so I need to have a nosy mm-hmm. and see um, what those properly look like. Um, but yeah, there were a couple of um, party games as well, but I can't remember the name of it. It was one that I hadn't heard of, which for me is mm-hmm. uh, oh, social deduction game. Sorry. Um, that oh, that is a party game, isn't it? Yes, but specifically, it was on the social deduction. 10 of the best so check that out people and give me more recommendations because it's one of my favourite genres um, but it was one I hadn't heard of mm. so I now can't remember the name of um, but it's now on my wish list mm. because it's a new social deduction game to me new to me mm. um, so I'm going to check those out I'm really excited about it cool <laughs> um, so with that search tabletop gaming in youtube it brings us up that's usually the easiest way to do it otherwise it's tabletop gaming magazine um and yeah hit subscribe it's great fun um let me know your thoughts let me know what videos you want to see mm-hmm. um, also they're on our website so you can go to our website click a button yeah. watch from there and then go subscribe on youtube yeah which would be really useful we'd love that yeah we'd love tabletopgaming.co.uk that. yeah um and there's just like tons of stuff coming up Jai's filmed so much stuff yeah uh in the hopper that's like 
I've got some drop. really cool stuff coming up as well, yeah. like embargoed stuff. Yeah. So you can be excited that we've got stuff coming out that's yeah. all the new stuff too. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Very, very good to see all the comments. It's, uh, it's a bit of a community. Oh, it's lovely. It's on. so nice. Yeah. It's easy to sort of like, like I watch YouTube videos sometimes and I'll like it or I'll, I'll mm. maybe drop a comment, maybe not. But um, I don't think I realised until doing this sort of thing how much the comments are really like they really boost you mm-hmm. so it's really really nice to see them um and not just because sometimes people say nice things which mm. is really nice on a monday morning when you come in and they're like i really like this video mm. you're like yes um but equally here's a new game have you thought about this mm. or i would swap this game for this game what do you yeah. think i yeah, so. just love it i get to yeah. chat about games all the time um so with that mm. um we should tell people to buy the magazine Buy the magazine! Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yeah! But why would you buy the magazine? Because it's glorious, why wouldn't you? What a great, what a great answer. However, <laughs> an extra reason, if you needed to be tipped over the edge, uh, is that if you buy the magazine direct from us, from the website, yep. you'll get a free uh, Cyber Goal. Cyber Goal! From uh, King of Tokyo. Yeah! Uh, so it's a like entirely new standy, looks cool. Um, and you can play it with your normal uh, King of Tokyo set. It's a new monster. It's a cybernetic gull. Woohoo! It will steal your chips. <laughs> Which I suppose is a good joke, actually, because it's a cyber thing. Oh, and it's okay. chips. It's probably intentional, but it's a really bad pun. Yes, isn't it? I'd only just realised that. <laughs> Uh, so you can buy that direct from us or if you're a subscriber you've already got one you've already got one if you're a subscriber it's winged its way to you like a and if you're not a subscriber if you're not a subscriber why not why not free stuff yeah there's there's so many things to subscribe to covers alt covers free stuff Um, next issue the following issue we've got a um, a new temple card for uh, Kotal nice uh, which is a um like really, really pretty. It was, we gave it a must play. Uh, Chad Wilkinson gave it a must play in the magazine. Um, really interesting uh, game from Synapse Games. Um, I'm so glad like, you said it out loud because I wasn't entirely sure how to pronounce it. Well, I'm not sure either. So um, hopefully, <laughs> I've got that right. Um, C O A T L. It's it's Kotal. Yeah, I think that's all it can be. Kotal. Kotal. Um, and it's about building a big old snake. Nice. Um, so, you know, uh, I, that is probably oversimplifying it to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a deranged <laughs> degree. <laughs> um, but yes, pick up this copy of the mag, subscribe to the future copies of the mag, um, and uh, like get free stuff. Woo! It's all good. Uh, go to your local game store if it's safe. Yes, go to the game um, store. And only if they're friendly, though. Um, <laughs> I feel earlier Charlie's comment about you. Yeah, there's friendly ones and then there's not. It's kind of like a veiled threat. It's just not all game stores are friendly. So (laughs) I don't want to turn it into a big gendered debate, but there is a difference in some stores when I walk in on my own and when I walk in with my husband. There absolutely is. I will say there's been occasions where you've mentioned things to me that I thought I would would not get that response. No. So um, they're very uh, upsetting. But I I had a delightful time with the ones. If the the ones I put on TikTok and the ones I put on Instagram, I've had a delightful time with because I wouldn't recommend them otherwise. But absolutely. Goodness. Yeah. We're going to the nice ones. They're delightful. Absolutely. And let us know where they are as well. Because yeah. we're always looking for new, interesting places yes. to talk about. Because Definitely. they deserve it. Yeah. Really? At the moment, these are ones I'm going to on my weekend. So just let me know where you are. And I yeah. hopefully will be able to pop in. Find an excuse to yeah. pop in. That's it. That's it. So I think that's it. That's it. 
Um, buy the mag. Buy the mag. Do it. Woohoo! And leave comments and share this podcast and subscribe for more podcasts. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're so good at this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just basically, right, go and subscribe to everything you can find that's got tabletop gaming written on it. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, and tell a friend, <laughs> oh, leave an iTunes review. That's the thing oh, we're meant to do. Oh, are we doing do. that now? We're meant to. I hear do. that on other podcasts. We've never done we it. Were, um, Should we, we? We were big in Finland. Nice. For a day. I do like Finland. Um, do you? Yeah. What do you They're like most delightful. about? Oh, just everything you read about them is nice. Okay. <laughs> no one leaves a bad review of Finland. <laughs> Much like this podcast. <laughs> leave a good review about us. Thanks. From Finland. <laughs> you don't have to be from Finland for it. Oh, and here's a bonus clip of our conversation with Martin Wallace. What do you think of the state of deck builders and games more generally right now? That is, that is quite broad. I mean, I think, you know, with deck building, I think, I mean, I don't get to play an awful lot of commercial games. So it's because um, certainly at the moment, I don't get an awful lot of gaming time. So it does tend to be focused on playtesting. <coughs> um, I mean, I have been lucky and been able to play a few new games recently but they, they weren't deck builders um i'm on my i mean my feeling about general feeling about games at the moment and it's kind of one of the things which i don't know if it's good i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing i know from my point of view i see it as a negative is the development of these kind of lifestyle games um these games that say if you're going to play me you can't play anything else Interesting. Because you won't have time. So, you know, Gloomhaven is an example of that. In that, it's, what, 90 hours to play or something like that? And okay, yes, you can play other things. But it's like, if you're going to play it, you're going to be playing consistently for a long time. You've got your legacy games, like Pandemic Legacy. Again, you have to say, right, I need a group of people. And we're going to be doing this 12 times. Uh, the latest game, Oath, that came out. The idea of that, where you can't play it as a one-off, you have to play a series of games. And for me, I find that exclusionary because I can't play those games because I don't have the time. I can't commit that level of time to play a game repeatedly. So, I, and I can see some people get excited about that, but then I think there must be some people who just don't work and play games all of the time because how, how do they play all of these games? I mean, I see these people on the geek who list the games to play. It's like, you know, you have like 72 hour weeks where you live or something like that. It's just crazy. Um, you know, I get, you know, maybe if I'm lucky, I might get a day in a week. Right? Cause I have to drive into Brisbane to do gaming. I don't get, uh, I mean, I have a club that meets here for Sunday afternoon every two weeks. So you've got three or four hours. You don't have a lot of time to play these games. Um, so, but it seems to me that this is trend for these games this, these games to want to be really big and have really big campaigns and require you to devote your life to it. And I'm thinking, only so many of those can exist. And it's, like, it's like there's Stellaris, which was on Kickstarter recently. And again, that sounded like one of those. And it felt like a bit of a cheat. You know, it's like, oh, this game only takes two hours. But you have to play it five or six times. So it's like, right, so it's a 12-hour game broken into two-hour segments. It's not a two-hour game. It's not a game that you can just play and then leave. To get the most out of it, you've got to play it for 12 hours. You know, that that's that, that's different. And I kind of think, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure about that. So from my personal point of view, I just still like to just be able to play a game for two hours and then it's done. Um, and I kind of stopped myself. I mean, I, I was actually working on a legacy game. Um, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to do this because that's doing what these other people are doing. It's like, no, what I'm going to do is I know what theme I want to do. I know what story I want to tell. I'm just going to down well make sure I can tell it in a reasonable amount of time so it doesn't have to be a legacy game. So you can just play it, have a good time, and then move on. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of, in that sense, I'm kind of anti these big epic campaign games. But I also get a lot of people love them. So, you know, people like them, that's great. But it's interesting. can't argue with that. So I've got this, like, um, this weird running theory that there's, there's a certain kind of gamer who kind of just wants like one game in their life, and mm. they're not the people you're talking because the people you're talking about are obsessives, I think mostly. Yes. Um, and but I've got this sort of running thing of it's like uh, it's like my friend's dads when I was younger they'd only play mm. Command and Conquer or Age of Empires two yes. or something like that on their, yeah. on their PCs and they would um, and but then years later they're still playing the same version of that game because that, that's mm. the only they only need one game they're done. You know, yes. um, I feel there's like some of these games attempt to do. That. I think Oath feels like it's attempting to do that. It wants to be mm. the one, ge- the one game you play. You don't need any other games. I think mm. most of Cole's games are like that in a way. Um, but yeah, but I think I think you're right. There is this thing like the, I've recently got the um, uh, the Awaken Realms um, massive game that I've called oh. T- Tainted Grail. There we go. Yeah, got that. To, Got out of the table, started the tutorial, and I thought, God, this is this is longer than all of the Lord of the Rings films put together, at least. You know, yep. this is gonna this is gonna this is gonna really take over my life. I'm not sure, I'm not sure I can do all of it um, immediately. So I, I do sympathise with that that kind of like mm-hmm. that position of um, yeah, these games that yeah they do want to take over your life. And I never thought of them as um, antagonistic in that way, <laughs> as long as they take over your life against your will. Well, I suppose I mean that. Certainly, I, I get the idea that some people, they don't need a wide selection of games. I mean, it's like one of the guys I know, he just plays um, Terraforming Mars all the time. Yeah. I know um, a few people like that who, and it's Terraforming Mars. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. It's and he, the thing is, the, the funny thing is, he's taken out all of the nasty cards as well. So you can't hurt uh, each other because he doesn't like oh, asteroids that destroy other people's stuff. So it's a really weird perverted Candyland version of terraforming Mars. Um, and and I suppose going back to your example with, with computer games, yeah, I, you know, I, I sort of get that, but um, but that, that, those computer games where it's just you and the computer, uh, the thing with board games is it's a social thing. And it's, so it's that difficulty of finding a group of people who are willing to play a game repeatedly. Um, would you know this which is something i i would struggle with uh but you know it, it certainly worked you know it certainly worked for gloomhaven you know that that has been a phenomenal success so it's obviously caught on although i was also kind of feel that maybe the market's changed because you've got a lot of people who are coming in from video games and they're just used to playing longer games because video games are long. So the idea of playing a game that takes 20 or 30 hours as well, that's functionally identical to what they were doing before. So yeah. it's not the same as 20 years ago when you know there wasn't that overlap. Um, so that, I think, uh, it feels to me as having 
an effect on what kind of games are being published. I wonder if uh, I wonder if there's a value now placed on playtime that there wasn't before. So thinking about what you're saying about people coming across from video games, because that is the, the the problem with like video game writing is that often mm. it becomes. I, I spoke to James Naylor about this a little while ago um, on his podcast about um, how video games, especially, there's a, there's a thing of. Um, you need to get a certain number of play hours out of it for it to be worth it. Right? Mm. Uh, I think I think board games we do have we do have a similar productization problem uh, sometimes, which is people sort of uh, see it as an object they've bought, not as like an experience or something like that. Yes, yeah, and there's definitely people who who yeah who do crunch numbers and say right, you know what what what's my entertainment per buck. Yeah. Right here, you know how much how much fun am I getting from this? Um, and as a designer, it's something you have to take into account. I mean, there's, I mean, when I was going back, I was saying I don't do campaign that games. Actually, I've just remembered I am actually working on a campaign <laughs> game, but it's designed in a different way. I mean, basically, um, I'm working on a very simple dungeon crawl game, hmm. but it's and it's designed so that you can only play it once. Um, oh, interesting. But it is designed to be as simple as possible in terms of rules, so that there's very little setup. You can get into the game quickly, and it tells a story, and it just uses cards. Okay, and you, well, you get a few other bits, you get some dice and so on. But that, but the, so there, because um, I'm still trying to get this project off the ground. There, there, the key thing is like, how cheaply can you produce this? Because people will be doing that calculation. In that, if you can sell them this, I know for five dollars an adventure, they'll go, fine, that's okay. I, you know, a couple of hours fun for five dollars, that's reasonable. If you went twenty dollars per adventure, it's like no. At that point, that is too much because you can only play it once. So yeah, I think it, it certainly for me it impacts on the way I do things, on looking at what what's the return on this. You know, especially if you can't replay it. Um, and then, I mean, the other on the other hand, there's I mean, there's another game I'm working on called Bloodstones, which I'm hoping to put on Kickstarter later this year. And this is massively replayable because you have asymmetrical factions. You've got different maps, so you could be you could play this for years and be able to create different new situations by combining maps of different factions and so on. And so it's got massive replayability. But I know for a fact that some people will still only play it once because that's the nature <laughs> of the hobby. And they'll moan if a game doesn't have replayability. It's, oh, this game doesn't have replayability. But it's like, even if it had massive replayability, they still only play it once because they're moving on to the next game. You know, it's just the nature of the hobby at the moment. And, and it's kind of annoying because it also means that you have to make sure your game works first time. Because if people don't take to it, they don't come back and play it again. Now, when I was a kid, when I was younger, game design was such that there weren't that many games that came out yet, and they were very expensive. So if you bought a game, you played it repeatedly, and it didn't matter if it was complicated or if there were issues with it, because you would play it and discover things within it. And there was that joy of discovering strategies, of discovering depths in the game. And that's kind of gone to a degree because people don't have time for that anymore. I'm, I'm going to expose my age here. I'm, I'm, I'm 34, mm. right? But mm. I have, because of the job, I have a 
shelf burgeoning with games um, mm. that sort of sit there and I think that's a good one I need to keep hold of that one And mm. but the thing that starts to go through my head occasionally now is I'll enjoy that when I retire and so I'm because yes. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm trying to imagine a time like you say as a as a kid where me and my brother we'd, we'd play a game and then we'd take some of the bits out of it and we'd make a new game mm. out of it or we'd do we'd try and change the rules somehow or we'd um, mm. yeah, basically play it wrong for a new variation yep. or something you know and mm. like uh, I can't even think what games these were to be honest and yeah I'm trying to imagine a time when I can do that again because <laughs> the mm. hobby doesn't the hobby actually doesn't really allow you to do that um, uh, in that if you want to be like in the hobby um, mm. otherwise you are going to have to sort of sit, out, sit outside it and just um, well, just enjoy things I suppose <laughs> yes. which are cr- criminal yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we we live in a time of abundance. I mean, it is definitely a golden age of games, but it's so much stuff. And it means that, you know, really good games can be overlooked. They, you know, they'll be hot for a while and then forgotten about. Um, so much harder to create a game that can go on and on in a way that, say, Catan or Carcassonne or these games do. Um that's the world we live in. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thank you for um, uh, going on mm. that little deviation with me there. That was great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So um, I should ask, what's next for you? Right. So there's an expansion for Australia, which is up on Kickstarter at the moment. So I don't know when this is going up, but that that's finishing in 40 hours time. For me at the moment, as I say, the thing I'm working on that I'm hoping to get out this year is Bloodstones. The, the, the thing that's holding me back is taking a lot longer to get the prototype produced, it's um, it's an unusual game in the sense that it doesn't use your standard components. The, the game is very much designed around an approach to components, in that there is no cardboard, there's no paper in the game. Okay, so all of your playing pieces are kind of these these domino or um, margin style pieces. Oh yes, no, that sounds great. Yeah, uh... so. <laughs> But, but so um, the map is going to be printed on fake silk. Uh-huh. And so you can have multiple maps in the box. You don't have to worry about the weight. You can put the whole thing in a bag. So it's going to be the ultimate travel strategy game if you if you want that. The, the, the problem has been, though, at the moment is getting samples of the pieces. Because if you're going to go on Kickstarter, you, you have to get prototypes out there. And it's getting the prototype made. So at the moment, China's just... It's just every, everything's really slow over there at the moment. And the earlier versions they did, the quality wasn't right. Because the, the key thing is, because the artwork's been printed directly onto the tiles, you have to make sure that it's scratch-proof. Of course, yeah. So that, that's the key thing. And I know it can be done, because the BGG do these kind of bits for board games, and and you can tumble-dry those, and they're not damaged. <laughs> so I think the technology is there. I'm just trying to make sure that the company I'm using is using that same technology. Uh, and that's not always the easiest thing to do. But but so, yeah, that, I'm working on that. Uh, I'm working on an expansion for Anno 1800, which I don't think is public knowledge, but I just about wrapped that up, which is kind of turn Anno from a kind of borderline gamers game into a really head-scratching gamers game. It really does just move the thing up a whole uh, level in terms of depth 
uh, so I'm working on this um, dungeon crawl thing. Um, but as I said, that, that's a massive thing because there's like so many adventures I have to do. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of preparation work in that. So I have no idea when that's going to come out. And if you know Ape Game, American company. Yeah, I, I've uh, got a vague memory of them. I can't think what they've done, but sorry, do continue. They, they, they're, they're not a big company, but um, they came to me a couple of years back and they said, with a really weird commission, I sometimes get these, but I think this is one of the most unusual commissions I've had. Uh, they came to me and said, um, we've got artwork for a game, but we don't have a game. And when I'm talking about artwork, I'm talking about full quality artwork by uh, Mr. Cuddington. So it's high quality stuff. It's not <laughs> just any old artwork. It's really top level artwork and sculpted pieces. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so you've got all this stuff and you don't have a game. What the hell happened there? It's like, yeah, we did have a game and then we thought it was good and then it wasn't as good as we thought it was but we still went ahead and did the artwork so and it's kind of so it's given all this artwork and I had to design a game around it which should be a recipe for disaster i mean it really should be you, you should not be able no. to do this <laughs> you should not be able to design a completely different game around artwork that was based on another system but the bizarre thing was i did and it works really well, frighteningly well. It's just yeah. like, wow, this works so well. And it's just like the artwork could have been done for the game that I designed. It's like everything fitted. You know, it's like it's a, it's a, it's a kind of worker placement game with a twist. Um, and then you've got two things going. Because that was the interesting thing about the sculpted figures. And like, Because normally in a worker placement game, yeah, you've got your little wooden meeple and you stick it on somewhere and that gives you whatever that location gives you. But with this game, you've got 16 different characters. I mean, why did they pick 16? It's perfect. Four per player. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, if it's 17, I, it, it wouldn't have worked. But it was 16. 16 highly individual characters. These are kind of animal characters. It's kind of like an animal pirate game. It's called Chaos Cove. And so the twist is that as well as each location giving you a power, each animal also has their own power. So when you place the animal, you also activate the power of the animal so you've got two things going but the thing is there, there, there are cards that match the animal so, but so the thing is if the animal's in play you, each player's got a hand of cards and if that animal is in play they can activate that animal's power okay and not all animals will be activated so that's the interesting thing and the thing is at the end of each turn because it's four turns long you know you've got your four animals and they just rotate so you keep getting a different set of animals okay but each of the locations on the board for the worker placement fitted with the design of the game because you kind of got this invader thing. You've kind of got rats that are trying to invade your place and you've got bears coming out of the woods attacking. So you kind of have to defend yourself against those as well as doing normal stuff like, you know, trying to make sell stuff and build huts and whatnot. So you, you're trying to – it's not pirates attacking each other. It's like a pirate town where you're kind of working together and all of the locations on this board fitted the theme, every single one. It's just unbelievable. That would never happen again. No, that's incredible. Uh, and, yeah, and it was. It's just a really sweet. And I, so I, I don't have a lot of time for work. I, worker placement games. When I was talking about deck building, worker placement is also a lazy mechanic, and I try to stay away from worker placement because generally I don't like worker placement games. But this one is like 
yeah, this is a worker placement game with a difference. So, yeah. This is like, interesting. You know when people say, musicians say, oh, I, um, the song's there, I just sculpt it out, or whatever. This is your yeah. this is your version of that. Like the game, the game, yeah, all the art and everything was there, and I just I just happened to slot the game in perfectly. Yeah, and <laughs> and it's it's it's, weird. it's kind of a reverse pasted on theme. You know yeah. when it, it's yeah. you know normally it's like you start with the theme and then or you start with the mechanics and then paste on the theme. And this was like no, I've got the theme. I've actually got the finished artwork. Now I have to paste on mechanics. So it's yeah. kind of a reverse paste on thing but uh, no, it, it will be interesting I think it's kind of got that Everdale feel it's kind of that, that Everdale way you know and it's got cute playing pieces and so it, it will be interesting to see how it does um, do, we, do we know when we're, we're going to see, see light on that I have no idea they've had it for years uh, <laughs> but I, I know it just got through to me today because they, they've just started working because um, obviously they've had other projects in the pipeline so it starts sounds like they're going to be start promoting it soon um and it's kind of one of these games because they're not a big company that it could be very easily overlooked where it's like yeah they put out what i think is a really good game but because it's not a big company and maybe they, you know if they don't do enough marketing whatever the whole thing could be forgotten about and it would be a shame because it's a really sweet fun worker placement game with a twist that feels fresh without wanting to big myself up too much. Thank you for listening to the Tabletop Gaming Magazine podcast. If you like what you heard, share it with a friend or leave a review. Uh, our music is by Body in the Thames and it's called Cloud Meetings. You can get that on bodyinthethames.bandcamp.com.